I'm Julie Potowitz, CEO and founder of Grow Your Occupancy. Our passion is helping senior living providers maximize sales efforts and increase revenue. Join me as I chat with industry leaders who share their tips and strategies, and we'll have some fun along the way. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Grow Your Occupancy podcast. I'm Julie Potowitz, CEO and founder, and today I'm welcoming Adam Benton, and Adam is the Senior Vice President of Stellar Senior Living, and a little bit about Adam. Before he and his family started Stellar Senior Living in 2012, I believe it is, uh, Adam spent five years on Wall Street, and he can tell us a little bit about the differences between senior living and, and Wall Street in a minute. He loves working with seniors to provide them a stellar life. He's been nationally recognized by Argentum in the 40 Under 40 Leadership Award, and he served on the board of the Utah Alzheimer's Association for three years, uh, raising awareness of the disease and advocating for seniors with dementia. He lives in Salt Lake City, Utah, where Stellar is based with his wife, his five children, four boys, one girl, a set of twins, and a favorite son with Down syndrome. So welcome, Adam. Thanks, thanks for having me, Julie. It's a great (laughs) opportunity. Oh, I'm so glad to, to get a chance to talk with you. And I was saying before we were recording how much I love your office. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, uh, this is an old bank building that we moved into about six months ago and we just did our own renovations. And so we tried to make it look uh, kind of modern and hip. So on the outside, new lighting, but this is where the branch manager used to, to be. So this is where my office is today. Is it kind of like Wall Street a little bit? <laughs> you know what? It's not, it's not like an open trading desk, but uh, we do have a vault. We do have a vault and that's where our copy room is. And then we do have like the, the four lane drive through with the suction tubes and uh, I'm not kidding. And so we just filled that in. Um, we're actually going to finish it in a week, but we glass it all in and turn it into more common space. So it's a, it's a really fun, it's just a, um, it's been a fun project and it's uh, we can fit about um, 55 or 60 employees here at this office. And we're really looking to grow in, in this current space. Well, and you have, speaking of growth, since 2012, when your father, is that right? Your founder, father and family founded Stellar Senior Living. Yep. You are now in what, nine states? Yeah. Yeah. So and- we're in nine states. We're in the West. We're based out of Utah. And then we have um, every state uh, that basically touches Utah. So Washington, Idaho, Colorado, Wyoming, and then Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, and then Utah. Those, uh, and then we actually do have a property in California. So those are the nine states. I think I got all nine, but um, uh, we're actually, uh, our business goes across the entire country if you measure from north to south. So Idaho, Utah to Arizona, you can get from uh, across the entire country. I love but it. But we're basically in the West. Four under development, right, Adam? Yeah, we do. We have, um, we have one in Spokane, Washington, uh, Denver area, and then uh, Salt Lake City and Boise that are under development right now. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So. Well, let's talk a little bit about senior living, about uh, 
one of our two top topics for the year, which are occupancy and staffing, right? So sure. let's talk about occupancy a bit. So as a the senior vice president, what can you share with us in regard to your leadership or your, your company's like leadership in regard to sales and occupancy? Sure. So we are uh, heavy on sales. We're very much sales oriented. A lot of times we, um, uh, part of our growth is that we've been hired to help turn a property around. So oftentimes occupancy is, uh, is much lower. And, uh, and so uh, a big portion of what we do is really uh, help those properties turn around. So we get hired to do turnarounds. Um, and, uh, and, and because of that, we, we sort of view that in three steps. Our kind of our three-step recipe for a turnaround is step one is team. And then step two is um, occupancy. And then step three is revenue and expense management. And we feel like you have to do those in that order. So um, team first, so you got to get the right people in the right spots. And oftentimes um, that just is making sure that people are trained, that they're, um, that they're in the right role and that they're um, incentivized properly and they're aligned with us. And so um, you really can't focus on occupancy or on revenue and expense management without having a good team. And that includes the sales team, which we call family advisors. Uh, and then after that, then you can really start focusing on occupancy. And we believe that you really, it's difficult to really manage expenses or hone in on rent um, if you don't have a decent occupancy. So occupancy second, and then rent and expense management. So not rocket science, but it's something that we live by and we train on. Okay. So step one, family advisors is part of the the sales yeah. portion of the team. So how do you determine two questions? One is um, time frame. So I'm sure there's yeah. not a you know set line like, okay, we're only doing team for the first 30 days and then we move on. And then, you know, I know it's all integrated, but right. so I'm, I'm thinking as you're talking and I'm time frame for maybe assessing uh, whether, like you said, you've got, you know, the, the, the people piece uh, right. that they're comfortable and successful in their roles. So sort of how, how do you determine that? And then what kind of time frame as it relates to sales? Sure. So we, so our family advisors, so our average property is about 130 to 140 units. So we have two family advisors at each one of our locations, but we actually say we have three so our executive director who runs the property, we, we call them our first salesperson, right? So it, you really can't get a lot done if, uh, if the executive director isn't involved. And you, you can just tell that anytime you're operating a property, whether it's going well, by how involved the executive director is. So that's step one. When we talk about team, the very first person is, uh, is that top leader at the property, the executive director. And then from there, um, we will help in, in determining who else the other two family advisors are. We've seen it where an, uh, an executive director comes in and they take a, a team that's doing okay and they don't change anything. And it just, just by virtue of a little bit more focus and training and effort, uh, that team does phenomenally well. Um, other times uh, it might need a team change where you have a few more, uh, some, some people that you switch out in the family advisor roles. Um, as far as what we look for, we look for, um, we're actually okay training uh, for, for the role. Um, we look for two things. One is, um, one is that they've had some sort of previous experience in sales. Uh, I think, uh, and that can be in anything. We, we tend to like 
if they have something where it's been a little bit harder, where they actually have to go out and do a little bit more cold calling type stuff. So um, medical um, medical device stuff, you know, AR collections, stuff like that, where, where you actually have to go in, talk to a doctor and explain your, your services and, and, and you're yeah. not, you're not having leads come in your way. Um, so sales background. And then um, the second thing is just um, is an ability to have some level of compassion um, and connection with, um, with the families and the seniors that they'll be talking to. So that, that's um, it's a little bit harder to really pinpoint out of a resume, but it's something that you can kind of feel out in an interview. If you have those two things and you have a really good drive, that is, a, that is a recipe for success, I think. So we look at that executive director first, and then on top of that, just somebody who's got a good drive. They got some sort of history doing this in other industries. It can be this, but other industries. And then they have a nice compassion for, um, for working with seniors. Yeah. I love that you, we simplify it. We know it's pretty simple, but it's never easy, right? Right. So, uh, but you you look for, it sounds to me like salespeople, like you yes. said, people who have experience doing something, even you mentioned cold calling. So I guess I've jumped to, to make an assumption that, you know, those really maybe, you know, diehard sales people who can hear the word no and still yeah. keep going, right? Real, what I call drivers. Um, sure. Years ago, it was, oh, we didn't even say sales, right? In senior living, like, oh, that's terrible. That's bad. We, we want, not that there's anything wrong with being a social worker, but, you know, we want a social worker or a nurse in the role, someone who's yeah. compassionate. But uh, I, I say you can be very compassionate and be a sales driver in one, all in one package. Yeah. And, and it's the world we live in. I mean, we have some properties that are, that are 40 years old. So they have a lot of history and operations. And, uh, and what I've always found really fascinating is in those properties, uh, they have a history where at the very beginning, they had no salespeople. They had nobody in sales. They would just open the doors and, and it was a new enough product that people would come in and, and just move in. And so at this point, you, know, you add a, a second salesperson and all of a sudden, you got a first and then a second. And, and now it's like a full culture around sales. I would say that there's no bones about it. This is a sales role. And so we don't, in fact, we have, um, it's, uh, it's a lot harder, in my opinion, to be coming in if you do have uh, a background that does not include sales. So mm -hmm. that's a big portion of it. Um, hard to keep occupancy up. And we think that a healthy building is a full building. So everyone's happier. They're better taken care of. Um, it's just a better experience all the way around if you have a, a building that's highly occupied. So that's, that's pretty important to us. It's the lifeblood of the business. And what is, if you don't mind sharing, you know, we've, uh, everyone's sure. gone through a very challenging a couple of years, but what's occupancy looking like for you guys? So we've definitely got, a few, like I said earlier, we get hired to take properties that are in difficult situations and turn them around. Yeah. So we usually have a barbell, um, we, as much as you're like, Hey, average is X, let's call it 85%. You're going to find that, you know, I was on the sales calls this morning or our, our kickoff calls. And, you know, we have a handful of properties that are at hundred percent right today. Right. Yay. So that's not a problem. And then you've got properties that, um, that for one reason or another are in one of those turnaround steps mm -hmm. and they're making their way through it. So, um, but on average, we are definitely moving up each month for the last 
seven or eight months, we've just been moving up a decent clips each month. Yeah. So did I hear you say I was on a sales call this morning? We were on our, I know. So I should, I'd say this a little bit differently. We were on our Monday morning executive director call. We have our whole company come on, okay. but we talk a lot about it's one of the items is, uh, is occupancy. Yeah. Yeah. So Adam, if you're to um, say give advice or something that's really worked for you all in regard to, and I love that you said your executive director is your number one in sales sure. leader, right? Yeah. How, um, how does that happen? You know, cause a lot of operators are like, Ugh, I don't like sales. Yeah. Um, sales leaders. We, so one, we make it a point, right? So our executive directors, it's typically two paths, maybe a third one. One is they're used, they were a family advisor. So family advisor, and they move up into the sales role. That happens a lot in our business. Okay. Um, the second one is, um, is that we do have a nurse track where they're, where they're usually a health and wellness director. And then on occasion, but not as often, it's a business office manager that, that moves up into the role. But a key aspect that we always want to have is that, um, is that the executive director will, is very comfortable in um, helping keep the building full and holding people accountable and being part of that sales process. Um, if they're not, we tend to see that everything starts sagging. Uh, it's a big portion of it. Um, uh, you talked about maybe what's, um, I think one of your questions was around uh, some items that, that we see a little bit differently or that, that might be helpful for others. Um, we, when we analyze our move-ins throughout the year, uh, we find that they tend to fall in um, three different buckets when it comes to the source that they came from. And it's not always in thirds, but um, the main sources is one. Uh, the easy one is, um, is your referral partners, right? A place for mom and caring.com um, and then local uh, referral partners that send in leads and then you have move-ins. And then the second one is from stuff that we generate through our own marketing uh, as it relates to um, uh, pay-per-click and our own advertising, our organic leads on our website, as well as any sort of newspaper and print uh, advertising. Um, those are the two buckets where you have leads really coming at you, right? But then the third bucket is, um, is, is related to outreach, right? And just getting out and talking to the community and creating your own local referral partners. And what we've found is that if you only have two out of the three of those buckets activated, mm -hmm. whereas if I just walked into any community and just sat down at one of my uh, computers, I'll see leads coming in. They'll be coming in from our website or from print or from um, a place from or caring.com or from um, people walking in. And I could spend all day just sort of intaking leads yeah. But um, our analysis has shown is that only goes so far and that our best properties really open up that third category, which is just the outreach. If you have outreach going, I talked earlier about our properties that are 100% occupied. Those are the ones where they've really dialed in that third component and, uh, and made a healthy diet out of that. So I, 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 there is no secret there, except we've actually done the analysis to realize like the numbers... Um, tell a really good story that uh, support that, that um, argument that outreach is incredibly important. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. So talk to us about, talk to me about outreach and what your 
what does, does Stellar have like requirements around this or benchmarks, expectations? Because I couldn't agree with you more. And I love, Adam, how you simplified it. And again, it's these three buckets. And right. it, all three, you know, we need we need it all. And if we're sitting back waiting, and a lot of our leads do come to us, which we're very fortunate, right? We're very fortunate that a, a large percentage do, but we could do so much better as a business, as an industry across the country, if we focus on this third bucket. Sure. So what do you all do? So I don't think there's a secret sauce here. And I think it, um, at, at a certain point, you have to rely on your, your family advisors or your sales uh, managers to decide exactly how they want to approach outreach. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, the, the lag measure or the out, output of that is that we see move-ins that we can connect to a referral that comes from a doctor's office, a, some sort of local vendor, um, somebody, uh, home health and hospice, somebody that, that's working with you um, and that there was probably some activity before that to get there. And so the what we would consider the lead measure of that, which is what activities can you be doing as a salesperson to, um, to help push through that outcome, which is move-ins coming from uh, a third source outside of stuff that you pay for, uh, is just... In my opinion, it's just the amount of time that you're spending in doing some form of outreach. And, it, and as long as you're just saying every day, I'm going to spend X amount of time, two hours a day, and I'm going to track that as a metric, as my lead measure, then I'll just, that will then determine, uh, you'll start seeing results out of that. So we do have lists that we can create that help our, um, our communities decide who to target um, that we purchase. So um, everything from uh, how many uh, doctors in our area that prescribe dementia medications, right? So that's an easy one you can sort of pull from um, to, uh, um, to elder, elder law attorneys, right? So those are the kind of things where we, we actually have lists of each one of our properties where you can come up with that list. But in my opinion, um, you can still go through that list and determine just off the top of your head, who's going to be stronger at helping but it's a multivitamin approach. You just don't know who that's going to be until after you've actually spent the time and done it. So mm-hmm. lead measure is just spending time doing it. It is, it is an offensive activity. Um, defense, in my opinion, would be things coming at you like leads and offense is mm-hmm. like, I'm going to actually spend some time and go out there. And oftentimes it doesn't feel like it's as rewarding at the beginning because it's just not as immediate, but you're planting seeds and creating uh, uh, um, a good network in the industry that takes a longer time, but will totally pay dividends in the long run. So I guess my, my big takeaway is it's easy to come up with that list and then just spending time actually trying to get out of your comfort zone and, and get in front of those people. Yeah. So two things. One is uh, how do you all address the, I don't have time for outreach. I can't get out. I'm so busy and be kind of paralleling COVID, COVID, COVID. I can't get out because so-and-so or, you know, we're, we're because of COVID they're closed. I can't see them face to face, something right. we've all faced. And you know, the last couple of years, so for hopefully the clouds lifting a bit, but how do you, or, or what's a, the directive or the, you know, for those that are saying, oh, well, I just can't do it. I don't have any time. Sure. Yeah. So outreach comes in a lot of different ways. It doesn't, I think people, when they think outreach, they think I'm going to get in a car and drive somewhere. 
I actually think it's fine. Outreach is just, so if you think about your day where you have leads coming in and you're responding to those leads, and then you know you have your three, five people that are moving in throughout the month. So you're helping coordinate those activities. That's a lot. Right. It's a lot on your plate and you're going out there trying to um, have them sign documents, get doctor's orders, planning the date, maybe helping with the mover. Um, there's a lot going on there. And so then to say, well, I, I just need to carve out time to then do some form of outreach. And that can be an email, a call, a text to somebody that you haven't talked to in a while, uh, an invite to a lunch, an invite to an event. You don't actually, in my opinion, have to leave to do a lot of that stuff. And it's still really COVID friendly. So it's just a matter of, um, and, and I can't stress this enough that um, if you don't plan for it, it won't happen. And your email and your CRM system will manage your day for you. And, uh, but they will never tell you unless you start setting up tasks to do that, that you need to do outreach. It just won't happen. And you will feel busy. Um, this concept can apply for many things in your life, not just outreach, but uh, I, you know, working out, dieting, spending time with your family. Those are all things that, uh, that uh, potentially can take some effort on your side and won't just happen naturally. Outreach is one of those, and it, it will be a bucket that will never fill without you um, intentionally setting time and effort and doing it. It just won't happen. No one's going to out, outreach doesn't come inbound. That's why it's called outreach. That's why it's <laughs> called outreach. Take it from the, the man with five kids and all this other full page of of uh, accomplishments <laughs> and things. But you're it, the what, what is the cliche? If you want to find an excuse, you can. Right. Yeah. So yeah. If, and it's if you flip it, if you find a way, you can. Or if you want yeah. to, find a way, you can. And and just just um, uh, sitting in the role that we're in, where you where you have many conversations with different communities and seeing how they're doing it, you realize that um, that uh, that the best practices that you can do it, and people are doing it. So it's not like it's it's I, it's impossible. I don't have time. I can't do it. There are great examples where where um, where family advisors are are figuring out how to put that as part of their day and not have to work eighty hours a week but still get it done. Yeah. And uh, COVID overall, uh, what is one thing that is that you all had to, to pivot and do differently that you're going to keep doing? now because you found, wait, wait a minute, this was a great lesson. Yeah. Let's keep whatever it is. You know, COVID forced everybody to change a lot of their habits and forced change. Yeah. And I think that's, um, a lot of them are for the good. So just trying to keep those as far as things that we would, uh, that we would keep, uh, I think the second part that you wanted to talk about was, um, labor and hiring, um, is, is that we just realized that labor and hiring is going to have to use the same level of um, sales rigor as mm -hmm. occupancy and sales. So what, what we mean by that is everything that we know and do for sales, when it, when it relates to a sales funnel, we want to have that same level of commitment when it comes to um, hiring employees. And we don't think that this is going away. In fact, if you look at the ratio of workers versus people outside of the workforce, that's yeah. only going to get more difficult over the next 10, 15 years. 
And, uh, and it's, it's going to be a competitive advantage if you know how to hire, train, and retain the best employees possible. And how we're doing that is we're actually approaching it just like a sales effort. How many leads, applications did we get in? How quickly did we respond to them? Um, what kind of offer did we have? And then it's basically, uh, instead of, um, you know, lead, initial call, tour, deposit, move in, it's, um, it's an application, an right. interview for a tour, sort right. of a signed interviews deposit, and then you have the, the move in, yeah. which is their start date. But we are literally taking everything we know about sales and just putting it into recruiting. And it's, it's going great. It's, um, uh, so that means that our weekly sales call on Tuesday turns into a weekly hiring call on Wednesday, okay. each property. What have you done recently to hire folks? And what does your sales funnel look like? So that's um, um, to go back to your original question about what has COVID done or changed. Mm-hmm. That's probably the biggest one for us mm-hmm. is, is our hiring huge. practices. It's huge. It is. And, so, yeah. it, and how I love it. You're it, you're so spot on. How are you, this be, how is this being tracked? You have a CRM for sales, right? You have something similar for hiring or how are you tracking these metrics, right? So in sales, you know, your CRM, your custom, uh, customer relationship management solution for, um, for hiring, it's your, um, ATS, your applicant tracking system. So your ATS, so in our opinion, um, in ours, it's our payroll system that we also use for our ATS. And so we can see who's applied and, and then we've just built the exact same funnels and we look at it the same way. So how many people applied? Okay. Do we need to spend more money or work in getting more applicants in? Great. Um, of those applicants, how many did we interview? Um, so that's your sales funnel from there. How many interview did we actually hire? Great. And then how many actually started after they hired and the numbers look very similar to, um, to moving residents in. It's got a very similar feel to it. And so once you know that, then you have a sales funnel and then you can determine where the leaks are and how to fix those. Right, right. I mean, you can't fix something or or improve something that, you know, you first have to, like you said, know where the leak is. Yes. What problem are you trying to solve? It's just that saying, we need more leads. We need more leads. We need more leads. Right. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. We need more applicants. We need more applicants. We need more applicants. Where, Where are they falling out? of the funnel or right. you know, is that really the problem you're trying to solve? That's exactly but, right. Yeah. Yeah. And so let me ask you another question, Adam, uh, why two parts, why do residents choose stellar senior living and why do, uh, your team members, your potential staff? Oh, this is a, this is a good question. So one, we're a family owned business. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm one of the partners and one of the co-founders. Um, I moved back from New York to Utah to help launch this business. Um, and so didn't really grow up thinking I'd be in a family business. It's been 10 years now. It's been really great. Um, and we've had a lot of success and growth. So um, we, uh, when we looked around to say, what is our business going to look like and how do we want to grow? We realized that, that we wanted to make sure that uh, maintaining quality was incredibly important. So um, uh, because of that, we've been very thoughtful in how we grow. Um, we don't want to be the biggest, uh, but we definitely want to make sure that our quality stays up. So we want to be the best in that category. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, to do that, we then looked around and said, how do we want our culture to look? Um, do we want it to just be something that 
happens to us or do we want it to be something that's intentional that we build and build around? And what is a culture that you can build in your business that will have the, the best and most lasting and positive effects on residents? Okay. So when we looked at that, we just said, um, we want to make sure that most of the decisions happen at the properties, that most of the decisions, all the entrepreneurial spirit, um, if you have a, a hunch on how something should be done, it shouldn't have to go up a corporate ladder, 30 steps to get an approval. And that we think that that's one of the best ways to take care of residents and to take care of employees. So, um, so because of that, we, we have a pretty decentralized process in our corporate culture and structure. And we train heavily on that. And that's something that's not easy. If you take over, as we've grown, we've taken over from larger um, companies that are public or that just have, you know, uh, hundreds of communities. And it's just a very different approach when you get bigger. Um, and it takes a lot of training to say like, no, you can, we want you, we want you to make that decision um, at the property. And we think that um, if you're in Albuquerque, New Mexico, working with a resident and there's something that's a little bit outside of our normal process, that, that you are probably the best person to make the answer to that instead of calling us in Salt Lake City to determine that. So when I think of why people choose us, that includes um, residents as well as employees, uh-huh. is, that, is that we really focus on that aspect and we truly believe that that's the best way to take care of people. So um, it's not easy. You can't buy that off the shelf. Uh, you really have to build it over time and you have to be really intentional about your culture. How are you going to do that? Yeah, I, the, it sounds like, you know, that, that giving people a voice, right. That they're, uh, that, that they matter, um, giving empowering empowerment. Sure. You mentioned, um, and I've had experience with, with this as well is, uh, doing maybe an acquisition, right. And then you, you're taken over, like you said, from maybe a bigger corporation where more decisions, it was kind of top down and right. you are providing the, in this case, let's say the executive director to run their business. I mean, they're running a multi-million dollar business and you want to give them the, the tools, the training, the support to do that. And it's with that comes the it's the autonomy but it's also the responsibility right. and it does it's a definite adjustment it would be the same what, what i would say to the sales director is that you're running a business you're running a business within right. a business within a business and to have the autonomy to run that business is i think not not always the case, but it, and it comes with great responsibility, and a lot of people like that. But it also comes with the responsibility, right? <laughs> and the accountability, right? Well, to and, be accountable for your results. It is, and we we yeah. call it the uh, community centered approach. So okay. and, you know, you think about a like a normal corporate structure. You've got probably the corporate office here, and then you have some regionals, and it goes down. You have the different properties, and you have people yep. running the properties. And um, we have what's called a we call it the culture deck. And it's about a 60 page um, PowerPoint that explains our culture and what that means. And so one of the slides shows um, this community centered uh, approach, which is the think about an onion, the community's at the center. And then we just have concentric circles around it of support that we call resources. But um, at that point, 
the community is at the very center of this. And if you think about what's at the center of a community, it's a resident. So um, that is a a very different mindset. And so how are decisions made? How are approvals done? What do I do if this happens? Hey, it's all here. We're a resource to help you and maybe guide you through some of this stuff. We can provide tools such as um, software to help you with that, some expertise on our own, maybe some thought through on how somebody else did it. But at the end of the day, the community is at the center and you're running that property. So you're going to be part of that. In fact, our if you look at our mission and our vision and our values, our um, um, our mission is to do and be the best in all we undertake and to provide a stellar life. And it's for three groups, our residents, their families, and our employees. So that's pretty important to us and, and is something that we want to keep, uh, keep going and is incredibly integral to our culture, if that makes sense. It does. It does. Ballpark for me, Adam, approximately how much time in a week does an executive director at Stellar Senior Living sit in meetings or slash uh, on calls, virtual meetings or in-person meetings? meetings. Right. So we have, uh, I'll tell you exactly what it is. We've got, um, so we have one meeting on Monday. It's an hour long. And that is a kickoff to the week entire company. It's called ED call. Everybody's on it. There's a slide uh, presentation. You have different people um, presenting. And that one, we go through all the metrics. Uh, clinical, we go through activities, uh, what we call stars of the week, people that are uh, that have done some sort of outstanding service throughout the week. And then we go through occupancy. We hit some, some financial stuff and then some one-off items. So that's one hour. And then on Tuesday, you are on a 30-minute call and that's with um, you and uh, uh, as the executive director and your two salespeople. And you actually work with other communities in uh, what we call constellations, which is a group. It's a cluster um, of three to five communities. And you go through your sales um, metrics. It's Tuesday. Now we have Wednesday. That's also a 30 minute call. And that's, um, that's with uh, uh, related to recruiting. And then um, Thursday is a rotating call that's between financials and clinical um, and maintenance, actually. So when we actually add it up, you are on meetings with us. It's about um, two and a half hours a week. So it's one hour and then those three 30-minute cycles, and that's your meeting set. So um, uh, some might call that a lot. We actually think it's, um, it's just about right. It covers all the aspects of the business, and then we do that week in and week out, no matter what. Today is President's Day. We did the um, our executive director call today. So, so they sound per- planned, purposeful. And, oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, everything and has an agenda to it. An yes. agenda. Yep. Okay. And uh, the sales directors, your family advisors, yeah. your, um, how much time if, if time's in a, a pie, what percentage of time are they required or asked to be out of the sales? So maybe in meetings and things. I'm, um, so with the home op, with the resource center here, it's the 30 minute uh, sales call once a week. Okay. And then after that, it's up to the communities on how they want to actually structure. If they want to be part of the standup, if they have a Thursday uh, meeting with the um, with uh, all the directors. Um, if they want to have a daily sales meeting, uh, it's up to them on how they want to structure that. Okay. So it just depends. So with us, 
30 minutes a week. And then we do have online training that they can do on their own time. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, we know statistically proven, it just makes a lot of sense. The more time spent in sales, like you said earlier, outreach, just do it. Right. The thing is sales is outreach. It's all, it's all part of the sales bucket. They've got to, we've got to be doing it right. Right. Can't be pulled out. And you and I were talking briefly earlier at any level, at any level of sales, right. VPs all, you know, all the way through. Uh, It's so tempting uh, for, for either to step out of it ourselves or get pulled, right. Right. For the to pull or, you know, your level, your level, maybe you pull your, you know, sales leaders out for something. And that's a, the worst thing that we can do really right. uh, shoot ourselves in the foot. Revenue. So I, I was, um, this just reminds, so early on when I was in college, I spent a summer as a fly fishing guide in Alaska. And, uh, and so I got to take people out every day fishing. You're going to try and, it to sales. I love it. Go ahead. There's a lot to sell. <laughs> fishing and sales have a lot in common. I love and, it. Uh, I remember I, I took a couple out where clearly the husband was really in, just very interested in wanting to be there fishing. His wife, not so much, but she was there just to support him. And so we're on a boat. I'm rowing, right? There's two of us. We're going down a river. And so she was just in the back and uh, just fishing the entire time. Just had her, had her line in the water. And he's in the front fiddling around with all sorts of stuff. And I would count how many fish they caught through the day. She blew him away in how many fish she got, like blew him away. And it was just because she had her line in the water more. And, and so, you know, oftentimes you're fiddling with the, if you switch this over now into, into our industry, you might be planning a special event or working on this specific um, flyer that you want to have go out, or maybe you pick up a shift as a server at the front or, or all of a sudden you're running the front desk mm. and now you've lost it. You've got your line out of the water, right? So um, having your line in the water for time um, goes a long way. Now, what you put on the end of that lure also um, goes a long way. So just making sure that the types of activities that you're doing when you are doing sales um, is meaningful and has impact, but time line in the water that goes, that goes, there's, there's no other replacement really. Yeah. I'm leaving it at that time line in the water. This is the right. first time I've heard of fly fishing yeah. as a skills <laughs> analogy. I love it. And you inspire me. I'm ready to pick up the phone and start selling. Great. It's you, I can tell, uh, in this brief conversation, how much you have a passion for what you do. I'm sure your entire family, your entire organization, and it's, uh, you know, uh, very obvious and you're growing and very successful. And I really appreciate you spending time and sharing your expertise with us today. You bet. Thank you, Julie. Thanks for taking the time.